Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Quick housekeeping note, folks, friends, family, frenemies. Fellow conspiracy realists, this is part two in a continuing series on cults you may have not heard of yet. And before we get to these cults, which we're uh, we're excited to explore with you, we want you to know that we may be leaving your earphones and coming to your physical presence. That's right, longtime listeners, you've heard the rumors. We're confirming them. We have a book. It is named Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. And our corporate overlords are putting us on the road. Yes, we're going to be hanging out in Atlanta on October 12th, I believe, or somewhere right around there. You'll 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 see it when you check them out because you, you're going to need to look this stuff up. Then we're going to head over to Washington, D.C., and we're going to be in Massachusetts as, as well. So definitely come out and, and uh, see us if you can. Like, really, we need you there. So please come and see us. Head on over to stuffyoushouldreadbooks.com to learn all the details. And the book in question that we'll be out on the road promoting also has an accompanying audiobook that we'll release on the same exact day as said book that Ben mentioned, stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, and it's voiced by the three of us. So we all had a good time doing that. And um, hell, buy the book and get the audiobook. Two different experiences, listening and reading. Two very different sensory uh, situations. So why, why not just cover all your bases? Yeah, it comes out October 11th, so don't wait till then, by the way. You can order it right now, wherever you want. doesn't matter. Just search for the book and pre-order it now. Do it. It makes a great gift for your fellow conspiracy realist. And if you are listening and you don't care for someone, 
then it makes a great gift for your enemies too. It's really a a win-win situation. And we're being honest when we say that. But the thing is, a lot of cultic organizations are not being completely honest with their adherents, with their followers, with the people that they have taken in. One thing uh, that I think we should spend some time on at the top of part two here is the concept of focus and where we found these cultic organizations and why we are highlighting them, at least for this discourse. Uh, Of course, folks, uh, if you or someone you know has been taken in by a cultic organization, we're going to mention some resources at the end of the show that you can use to help you or your loved ones escape this sort of tyrannical, insidious control. But some folks had reached out to me via social media and said, hey, why are you guys focusing on cults in recent history? It's a good question. It's true that we're focusing on cultic organizations in these our modern days, and there are some compelling reasons for this. Let's get into it. Here are the facts. Uh, For anyone who hasn't heard episode one, I think we need a quick recap of the C word problem. Riddle me this, Matt Knoll. Why do a lot of organizations called cults not like to be called cults? I mean, it's become something of a, not something, uh, very much a loaded word. It tends to be used by people who are trying to neg a thing. Um, one person's religion, another person's cult is, is the expression, meaning a religion is what uh, people who are within that circle would refer to, or perhaps a spiritual movement or something like that. But then on the outside, someone looking in and say, ooh, that ticks a lot of boxes uh, under the heading of the C word, and we're going to call it that. It is to religions... The same that I think the term conspiracy theory is to uh, some like historical research or, you know, some of the connecting of dots that we do on this show. And then other a lot of people do uh, sometimes less accurately. So, yeah, it is that it's that thought terminating cliche in a lot of ways, Ben. Mm, Yeah, agreed. Uh, And let us not forget that many of society's dominant religions today were in their early days considered to be what experts would call cults in the modern era. We didn't really get to this in the first episode. Uh, Part of the problem is the connotation of the phrase cult. Uh, In in recent decades, by recent I mean since the 1800s or so, cult had a derogatory connotation. Like you were saying, Noel, uh, the word itself dates back to the Latin term cultus, which just means, quote, care, labor, cultivation, culture, worship, reverence. And interestingly enough, this phrase cultus is a kind of Venn diagram linguistic DNA with the past participle of a word Colère, meaning to till, like till the soil if you're a farmer. Weirdly enough, colony descends from that same thing. So uh, long story short, 1600s, the term cult kind of uh, indicates worship or homage of some sort. Uh, And you can see echoes of this when you hear things like the cult of Delta Airlines or the cult of Kanye or Beyonce or what's a weird thing that people have a cult about? Star Wars? Star Trek? Maybe? Certain musicians? um, Yes, I've been really thinking about musicians like the Swifties. Sports teams. That's Ah, the The Beehive. Yeah, there we go. Well, well, that's the thing, too, because it's like a decentralized kind of cult where it's not like Taylor Swift is like commanding her hordes of. of oh, Swifties. really? Well, is, is she, though? <laughs> I mean, that's, 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 I, I hear you, Matt. I really, truly do. Like, are, is there coded language? Is there like dog whistly type things? Maybe. But it's not like this is a, you know, figure standing on the on the podium, you know, preaching to, to their converts saying, do she's on a giant to, stage in an auditorium. <laughs> 
those <laughs> to those who who oppose me. But the, the the these followers, you know, will take it upon themselves to do that stuff. Like uh, docs journalists that write bad reviews about Taylor Swift records. So you know, is it a cult if someone isn't actively pursuing cult leadership status? Is a question too. You know, I I, I don't know. It's very uh, it's a curious distinction when we talk about these musical kind of figures. Also, celebrities should not be worshipped. It is one of the great mistakes of humans in this era. In the 1670s, this definition narrows to, quote, a particular form or system of worship. And then the term falls out of popularity for a while. People aren't really talking about it. You know, a lot of stuff happened with religions of the day in the 1600s to the 1800s. They were sorting all kinds of stuff out. But in the mid-1800s, by at least 1829, history proves the word cult had sort of accreted the connotation of devoted attention to a particular person or thing, end quote. And less, you know, if you consider yourself a celebrity and uh, or you're in love, you have a parasocial relationship with one and you think I am being unfair, then let me note that uh, back in the day before the current uh, information regime that exists now, uh, many cities, particularly in ancient Rome and ancient Greece, uh, they had their own sort of mascots. They had their own demigods, which were sort of their celebrities. So humanity being alarmingly uncreative in its creativity has just replaced this thing, often to the detriment of those actual people who are treated as demigods. And would society be better if people didn't worship each other that way? Yeah, 100%. That's objective, and it's kind of stupid. I uh, yield my time. Please continue. <laughs> no, I, I have a question for both of you, just while we're on the subject, and then we'll, we'll move into, you know, the today's specifics. But, you know, a lot of pop stars... They're called, they're they're curated and they're they're handled and there are other people that lead to them being what they ultimately become in terms of their image and in terms of like you know that that level of of, of adoration. It's not always something that the the, the the stars themselves do consciously. It's um. Um, advisor that's telling them what to do or that's kind of like, you know, if it's a boy band kind of situation, maybe even picking out the members for maximum possible effect. Do you think someone can become like a uh, a cult leader almost by accident, like or, or um, used in that way by somebody else, like say, like Rasputin, you know, was sort of like this puppeteer for for the czar and things like that. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are around that. Mm. I'm trying putting it back to like the sports context now in my mind. I don't know. I'm jumbling things up here, but like I'm imagining the owner of the Philadelphia Phillies making the the Philadelphia fanatic do certain things, you know, because uh, he is now the demigod of Philadelphia, uh, or it. <laughs> they are the. I'm fuzzy. not sure. Yeah, but, but it. Yeah, fella. yeah. <laughs> Keep going, Matt. No, you're onto something. I don't, I don't something. Know. I don't know. Well, I don't that's know. the thing. Like e- even in the earlier video you and I made about how to start a cult, when we defined cults uh, by tactics, uh, you'll notice, folks, if you watch that video freely available on YouTube, thank you. Uh, one of the things we did is have our characters there create that uh, that that um, strategy. You're describing there is a figurehead. Wild Wild Country did a great job of depicting this in real life. Uh, And then there is the proselytizer, right? The apostle, disciple number one, who is getting in the nitty gritty. And increasingly, uh, since cults are uh, very bad at being good for people, uh, increasingly that apostle will attempt to supplant the figurehead, who in many cases honestly believes what they're saying and is not trying to hurt folks. That's, you know, tale as old as time. Somewhere along the way, not for nothing, the word cult, as it's uh, spoken in the modern English parlance, became mainly an insult, 70% an insult, 30% a warning. 
and we're glad that 30% exist. We are focusing on more recent cultic organizations, primarily because there is more objective information about them. The story, the long story put short is this, whether you're talking, um, whether you're talking early Christian heresies, which were often decided to be heresies after the fact, or whether you're talking earlier mystery religions of the Mediterranean and Malta, what you'll see is that as historians are looking at these ancient groups that would be described as cults in the modern day, they found that many of the primary sources writing about these groups, many of the contemporaneous or near contemporaneous sources were written primarily by critics by disillusioned former members, by other conscientious objectors. And with this in mind, an examination of early cultic activity always has to take that into consideration. Human beings back then were just as intelligent and just as fallible as human beings today, which means they come with all the bells and whistles and all the design flaws. Uh, one statistic we should reiterate from our previous episode, by the way, is that cults are not an infrequent thing, nor is membership. Let's hit back on the stat we had in uh, part one of this series. According to the International Cultic Studies Association, at least 2.5 million Americans have joined cultic groups in the past 30 to 40 years. That's, uh, that's intense. Two and a half million. I just, I, you'd have to see the list, right? What, what's included on that list of cultic groups, just to, to have a full understanding of it. But that's a lot of people. Yeah, it's more than I would have thought, um, especially since some of these are not like, you know, making the headlines exactly. And also, like, I mean, I, again, it'd be interesting to break down this number, but do you think this this includes people that perhaps practice, you know, maybe like like the, the satanic temple or that practice, you know, the occult? I know they're not the same word, but they are related. I'm wondering if there's any crossover in that number. Like, What uh, an excellent uh, question. Yeah, because as we discussed in part one, if we want to truly get to the heart of what a cult is, then what we really need to look at, if we're being intellectually honest, is not so much the beliefs as the tactics applied by the organization and its leadership. So, for example, there could be a commune of people who all live together. They're in an intentional community. What's, a, what's like a nice suburb? What's a nice suburb? adjacent to a big town. Aurora, Illinois. Aurora, Illinois. Let's go with that. So there could be a group in Aurora, Illinois, and they all live together. They basically bought a neighborhood, and they live together because they are convinced that there is one earthly truth, and it is that what all societies before them worshipped as gods were really only a specific series of mushroom, right? Maybe it's a kind of puffball mushroom, hopefully a non-poisonous species of puffball mushroom. But if they believe this, and religious freedom does technically exist in the U.S. for now, if they believe this, then they are what some folks, especially folks who ascribe to different religions, may call a cult. But the thing is, you can look at the tactics. As long as these mushroom worshipers can interact however they wish with outsiders, as long as they don't have a dictatorial, uh, unquestionable, tyrannical leader, as long as they have freedom of speech, as long as they can read or interact with whatever media they want, they have financial freedom, they can spend their money as they wish, then that group of mushroom worshipers doesn't necessarily function as a cult. They're just some people who are really into one very particular species of fungi. If you look at it then, if, you, if we flip the script and look at it in a bit of a more pessimistic frame, we'll find that many organizations that do not portray themselves in any way as religions, such as multi-level marketing outfits, can and sometimes do function as cultic entities. And, you know, guys, we have received uh, 
no shortage of harrowing personal stories from people who typically have a loved one that was roped in by uh, MLM. And I think we were a little bit, um, we, we didn't really delve into what a multi-level marketing operation is in, in part one of this. We've discussed it in previous episodes, but does anyone have a quick and dirty of an MLM? Anybody on an upstream or downstream here? It's basically just a pyramid scheme. I mean, that's what a multi-level marketing organization does. You have to buy a bunch of product and then sell that product to other people and have other people who are buying in bulk in the same way that you are sell their product in bulk and you get a kick up from each person below you. And it goes all the way. It's the same thing all the way up the chain to the person that owns the company or at least has owning shares or whatever it's going to function in that particular MLM. It's not great in my opinion, but that's just my opinion. Wow, that's some real negative downstream energy, bro. No, yeah, kidding. it's fully negative. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's a perfect description of an MLM. And part of the reason, uh, part of their tactics deployed to control people are some of the ones that we have briefly outlined here. But again, you may be surprised, we were certainly surprised by the number of folks who are interacting with or um, under the thumb or tentacle of uh, these things that could rightly be described as cults, if not cultic organizations. So we're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, and then we're going to dive into several more cults you may have never heard of. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Here's where it gets crazy. More examples. More examples. Let's get creative. You guys like creativity? We're all creative people on this show. Yeah. Like, you know, making uh, those snowflake things that you cut out with the paper, only these these are all shaped like swastikas. 
Mm? Uh, in the creativity movement. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful description, Noel. Uh, the creativity movement is, by its own it account, so nice. It sounds yeah. so nice. Yeah, I know. It's it, like no judgment, just paint. Uh, <laughs> the creativity movement is, uh, by its own account, a religion. But get this, fellow conspiracy realist, it is a self-described atheist religion. Bit of a paradox, no? I was going to ask that. Yeah, you mentioned that last episode. What, what's don't you have to? Isn't that? Doesn't there need to be some deity at the, at the root of a religion, or is it doesn't doesn't it something else at that point? I, I'm confused. It's maybe you just believe in yourself and you believe in your own creativity. Is that is that what this is? Or perhaps the the purity of the master race. Yeah, closer to the latter. They are of the suggestions. The idea is you start a religion and uh, uh, white people, however defined, right are going to unite under the agreement that their whiteness is brightness or like somehow divinely inspired. This was, this is pretty recent. It was created in 1973 by a guy named Ben Clausen. Ben Clausen was regrettably one of the very few bad Bens. And I apologize mm, to everyone. Like yeah. Ben Linus. Mm, I don't like him. Uh, he uh, he published, uh, self-published a book called Nature's Eternal Religion in 1973. And this is sort of the manifesto for this thing. Uh, he originally called this outfit the World Church of the Creator, uh, WCOTC. You'll see it abbreviated as it was based on the previous work which was also plagiarized of a failed artist uh known today as adolf hitler also known as you know a genocidal maniac and all-around pill uh responsible for the holocaust clausen pre-baked his proselytization by going around and pitching his idea of a paradoxical atheist religion two existing neo-Nazi groups. The, the best way to say it is that the what creativity movement calls its religion hinges on this argument of racial supremacy. Uh, you'll see lines in the book that say things like white people, again, somewhat nebulously defined, are nature's highest creation. That's a quote. And weirdly enough, this is Super confusing to me. Weirdly enough, quote, the creators of all worthwhile culture and civilization, which even in 1973 was pretty easy to disprove objectively at your local library. Yeah, but just to give you like a taste of some of the just really quick hits of this guy's whole vibe. Um, if you go to, there's a page on them on the Southern Poverty Law Center.org and they pull some quotes. Uh, here's one. We considered Hitler's Nazi Germany between 1933 and 39 as the finest and most efficient society the white race has ever produced. Uh, yep. No, no, no question about his intent there. And then he goes on to talk about how to bring about such a society. Uh, there are basically two ways. One is persuasion and reason. The other is terrorism. When persuasion and reason fail, the only recourse is violence, legal or illegal. Yeah. Not for nothing. Did the anti Defamation League and Southern Poverty Law Center, as well as uh, Rational Wiki, which is a good source. Uh, not not for nothing have they spent some time singling out this group. Uh, they're they're like any other cultic organization. There's a lot of hypocrisy. There's a lot of oh, what did Orwell call it? Double think. There's a lot of double think here, <laughs> especially, especially when they talk in terms of math, knowing uh, or perhaps not knowing that the numerals they use, the symbols they use to indicate math are in fact Arabic creations. So given that race, as we understand it, is a social construct. This group didn't do the best job, doesn't do the best job of delineating what it is exactly that they consider, quote unquote, white. It's definitely not Jews. They're very, like, 
big on that. Uh, they're very, you know, they're primarily anti-Semites, uh, and that's one of the big boogeymen of their ideology. But like other cultic organizations, they depend on the same old tactics. You need an us-versus-them mentality, which fascism and supremacism are always uh, always kind of starting from that point. But then you need an unquestionable leader. And Clausen was kind of like a door-to-door salesman of this movement to pre-existing Nazi groups, but he kind of became a leader, became the leader, and then he took his own life in 1993. Yeah, and then this other dude stepped in, guy named Matt, Bad Matt, old Matthew oh, wow. Hale. Yep, yeah, it's weird. Bad weird. situation, that is weird. Yeah. <laughs> Hate to no, see all it. the Knowles in this story are great. Uh, <laughs> or we just haven't identified them yet. Uh, Matthew Hale took the reins, he renamed the whole thing. He called it New Church. Pretty awesome. New Church is the creator. Like new Coke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like new, <laughs> new car Coke. smell. <laughs> no, no yeah. I was, I was joking though. Uh, new Church of the Creator. Uh, pretty, pretty interesting. You know, similar to what we've seen happen in several organizations over the years, where there's just a, a new logo slapped on the front. Now the all the other stuff we're all gonna forget about, right? Right. We're all gonna forget about it. Um, <laughs> but it's, I forget about nothing. It's it's, it's odd. It, it does seem like this is almost more philosophical organized crime or or organized crime philosophy. I don't know how to put this in the correct way, Ben and Noel, but it feels like crime, but dressed up as a religion or it's a, ter- a you know it's a some kind of organization, forward facing front. Well, here's another question on the distinction about the, the cult question, like. What differentiates a hate group from a cult? They're aligning behind a a charismatic leader a lot of the time. Like if you've seen the movie American History X, like the group that all the, you know, the the neo-Nazis in that movie are in all gather around. I think it's like Stacey Keach plays the kind of big bad who's who's the like head of this group or like in that movie Green Room. um, uh, Patrick Stewart plays the head. I mean, what, what differentiates the, that from a cult? Or is, is it really just kind of like a potato-potato kind of thing? Well, students of history will tell you it is the benefit of retrospect. And to them, I, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, also, there is quite a muddy Venn diagram. Look, the creativity movement, to your point, Matt, it is more like a supremacist gang or organized crime, with a, a, a lazy window dressing of religion. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's like, think of a smoothie of pantheism, which is, pantheism is worship many gods, whichever gods you want, but this smoothie uses racism as a base juice. So anything, anything there starts from that foundation. They don't acknowledge the supernatural, They eschew Christianity, not because of the supernatural claims of that religion, but, uh, oh, and not because of its practical tenets, the ones Jefferson agreed with when he rewrote the Bible. Uh, They don't disagree with be cool, help people, try to make the world better. They disagree with Christianity because of its Jewish roots. And if you are a member of the creativity movement, you are listening now, yes, All sources agree Jesus Christ was a Jewish dude. Like many other cultic organizations, the the creativity movement has like a baked-in expiration date, a neat little tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock act now, right? Their great apocalypse is a racial holy war, their phrase. Uh, Like certain Nazi propagandists before them, They sought to supplant existing, like they're talking primarily at this point of their inception, they're talking primarily to established neo-Nazis who often have some version of um, a supremacist Christianity, right? And so what they're attempting to do, like the Nazis of old, is to supplant that with some some other system of holidays, or holy days, as they were called once upon a time. And you can look at the list, but like 
any other set of holidays. These seem super specific, super centered in the belief. Uh, but, you know, why worry about contradictions if you're already accepting the idea of an atheistic religion? Like other cults, they also practice terminology and jargon. The short form for racial holy war is Ra-Ho-Wa, capital R, capital H, capital W. Yeah. I didn't know that word. I, I thought it was maybe uh, some maybe German word or, or something or a reference to something that I was not familiar with. But so is it like a is it some kind of uh, shorthand? Um, like, like, like what's the word? Like a portmanteau or do we do we know what, what it actually means? Or is it kind of made up? It's just their own lore. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's Ra-Ho-Wa, capital R, capital H, capital W, short for racial holy war. Shorthand oh, for that. Sorry. There it is. Yeah. Uh, they also have commandments. Uh, they have 16 commandments. I don't know how much air we want to give this. They're primarily what you would expect from a supremacist group. I want to be honest, folks. I went to a couple different sources and I pulled one from, I believe this is uh, Source Watch, maybe, uh, or Rational Wiki. So there's some snarky stuff here, but it's the important part to remember is it's not quite the same as the 14 words, which is a shorthand reference to the supremacist ideology, a lot of white nationalist or neo-Nazi groups. They, they also do the thing that cults do, wherein they constrain the activities of love and reproduction. Surprise, surprise, if you're a member of the creativity movement, your uh, romantic partner has to be someone with whom you can reproduce. They have to fit uh, the definition, Clausen's definition probably, of what passes as white. Uh, and if you are a woman, you have certain extra duties. They're not extra credit. There's just more stuff you have to do. Uh, you can read this aspect of their lore in, uh, in a work called, quote, Declaration of the Woman's Frontier, which is, you know, it, it's about oppressing women. Also, they are against uh, homosexuality. They are against uh, interracial relationships. Surprise, surprise. Uh, I don't think they want people reading certain books. And oddly enough, this is how uncreative this one is. Oddly enough, it takes a lot of its ideology, perhaps unknowingly, from other movements like the Five Percenters. The Five Percenters are in Islam, we'll remember, uh, they're considered a heretical offshoot. And that belief system argues that all people that belief system considers white are mud people, the result of an experiment by a mad scientist many, many millennia ago. Uh, and the creativity movement takes the same phrase, literally, verbatim, they take the same phrase, mud people. And what you can, you know, you can tell that a lot of these organizations don't spend a lot of time reading before they say stuff. Anyway, we might get in trouble for this one because unlike many cultic groups, this entity... The creativity movement, which its adherents call themselves creators, it encourages violent acts of terrorism. And a lot of those folks have been convicted of tons of offenses in U.S. courts. Also, I'm setting this up. There's a plot twist at the end of this one. And, and you know, um, as a result of, of these... Uh organized acts of terrorism and, and violence, you know, that, that this group has perpetrated, uh, multiple high-ranking members of this organization um, have been convicted um, of, of various uh, offenses in, in United States courts. And, and, you know, in their defense, not me defending them, 
them in defending themselves uh, might use that whataboutism that we see so much, you know, in, in, in the press and in rhetoric these days where it's like, well, what about all these other organized groups that do these same kinds of things? You know, um, they would point to perhaps Muslim groups or even Christian organizations or Jewish organizations that have, you know, to some degree or another acted extra legally. Um, it's, it's a pretty, pretty shallow and, and thin defense, especially when you're talking, when you're comparing, you know, maybe like conscientious objection or something like that to, you know, murder. Well, then of course, uh, we talked about the, the bad ones, the bad Ben's and Matt's. Well, Matthew Hale, the protege of the originator of this creativity movement, he is currently in jail. Because he decided that he was going to put a hit out, or at least he was convicted, of putting a hit out on a federal judge, which is a bad move. That was in 04 uh, when he was convicted, and he's still hanging out in prison, I believe. You get convicted of murder, you can get convicted of murder indirectly, or is it conspiracy to commit murder if you're not the one who pulls the trigger? You're using someone else as your agent. Yeah, you can definitely get convicted for that. And he did get convicted for trying to get a federal judge rubbed out uh, in retaliation for a, another legal action convicting another creativity movement member of a crime. The organization now is at best a remnant of its glory days. The adherents now overwhelmingly are primarily uh, primarily dudes in prison in one incarceration system or another. And again, it's very not difficult to go to prison in the United States, which still has the highest incarceration rate in the world, depending on how you measure it. But I have a plot twist for you, guys. Oh my gosh, I wanted to hear your reaction on air. Matthew Hale, a.k.a. Bad Matt, uh, went into court for a lawsuit in a case in 2015. The court found, the case is called Hale versus Federal Bureau of Prisons. The court found that the creativity movement may qualify as religion under the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, may be practiced in prison and as a religion, atheistic though it be, it may qualify for tax exemption. Wow. How crazy. That's insane. I mean, you know, we know that, that, that Scientology had to go through a whole lot to get that status and fights for it tooth and nail. Operation Snow White. It's such a, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, you could argue, or uh, many do argue that they, they achieved this uh, result very nefariously. Um but that isn't that that's the ultimate kicker, right? If you get if you're getting tax exempt status, you're not a cult, baby. The government says so. Cults don't get tax exempt status. So like you could help me. I mean, this this term I, we keep getting caught up in this, but a cult is almost like a trash religion. It's like a fledgling religion that doesn't have enough support or juice to 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 properly bilk people out of their money. <laughs> <laughs> Too much. Matt, you're so pained. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, it's not that I disagree with you. I just, it, the way it hit was, was hard. That was it. Um, uh, further, by the way, creativity is actually recognized as a tax exempt religion per a federal court decision in Wisconsin. Uh, this, this stuff happens. You know what I mean? Uh, if you are listening and you ever thought maybe I should, not pay Uncle Sam as much. Uh, these monsters got away with it. They made it a religion, and they're a gang. Just to walk back slightly, I'm not saying things like tithing is be ripping you off. I'm not saying if you're a tithing member of your church that you're being sucker. That is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the the the, the organizations that go to great lengths to get these types of statuses are not always doing it with uh, you know your particular well being at, at heart. That's all. That's all I'm saying. No, I think it's a good point. And folks, through the magic of editing, with the help of our own uh, mission control, we talked backstage, 
And we realized that there is much more to the story. There are actually cults we're not going to get to today. Uh, several. We're very excited to explore with you. But time, the only true currency of our age, continues to tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. So we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll return with uh, one more deep dive, and then maybe we give uh, some honorable mentions or dishonorable mentions to cults we'd like to explore in the future. What do you think, guys? Does that sound on the level? Sounds like a plan to me. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. And we have returned to, uh, some would say, the land of angels. This is something we teased in part one of this series. You'll recall, um, Matt and we were very careful about our language regarding allegations versus convictions in our previous discussions, right? We, we were doing our best to be clear about when someone had been accused of a crime versus convicted of a crime. And we mentioned that we found one recent cult where someone was squarely convicted in a court of law. They actually did this stuff. And that's where Angel's Landing comes in. Yeah, out in Wichita, Kansas, there was an individual named Daniel. I guess we can say the full name, Daniel Perez. Um, and he started a thing called Angel's Landing, the Angel's Landing Commune. And this is, you know, it's it's one of those places where it's fairly small. I think it was, well, a fairly small, relatively small, about 20 acres of land that was out there in Wichita. And, you know, not everybody even really knew what it was. But if you lived near the area, you probably noticed 
what was going on. Maybe you saw some kind of signs, maybe you heard some whispers, uh, but everybody just kind of thought, oh, well, they must be, you know, it must be a farm. They must be doing something out there. They're, they're clearly, they're not needing of anything, right? No, it doesn't seem like they're out in the town doing work or anything like that. They seem to be fine. Well, it wasn't your run-of-the-mill 20-acre plot of land that maybe is growing something or creating, you know, crafts or something on it to make a living for the people who live there. They were doing something else. Yeah, so it turns out farming uh, was not their primary means of income. Um, the the real one that was actually paying the bills was uh, was murder. It was murder. An FBI investigation showed or uncovered um, evidence uh, pointing to the group um, having moved from state to state, uh, trying to bring along with the members that they had coerced um, into uh, buying life insurance policies uh, and then collecting the money when at least six uh, purported accidental deaths occurred uh, across seven years. Um, Perez... Uh, was becoming essentially a organized kind of serial killer, um, and there's more. It goes it goes further than that. Yeah, that's not all. As Billy Mays was wont to say, there is much more. Uh, you may not have recognized the name Daniel Perez if you met this character in the wild. He also went by Lou Castro, several other monikers. He convinced his followers that he had magical powers and this is stuff they believed he persuaded them that he was actually an angel as our pal lauren vogelbaum would say he made them think he was a hashtag actual facts angel divine sent from god hundreds and hundreds of years old and the only way that he was able to exist on this, our disappointing mortal plane, was if he had continuous sexual activity with minors. If he sexually abused children, he would stay on the plane and reveal more of his wisdom. If he did not, he would die. This example shows us a cultic organization that honestly looks like it was purposefully designed to aid and abet this Perez guy's proclivities and his crimes. His victims ranged in age from 8 to 16 years old. Just before he was caught and convicted and thankfully sent to prison, he knew the heat was getting on him in Wichita. And so he relocated to Columbia, Tennessee in April of 2009. That's how recent this is. He was found living in a two-story home just outside city limits with his then-fiancé, her child, and another teenager. The story gained national recognition. Those of us interested in true crime in the audience today may be familiar with documentary programs like Deadly Cults. You may have seen a special on Dateline. The investigations reveal that this creature traveled through Texas, South Dakota, and Kansas for more than two decades, always preying on children. And I want to shout out the Columbia Daily Herald, uh, which gives a graphic description uh, of of how he worked, how this thing worked. Uh, there's an excerpt here. I, I, I think we just read it in full. Yeah, um, from the Columbia Daily Herald, uh, quote, whenever he was running low on money, Perez would foresee the accidental death of one of the commune members to fund his insatiable thirst for violence and control. Prosecutors and investigators found Perez had ties to six accidental deaths in which insurance companies paid out $4.2 million to other commune members whom Perez controlled. Yeah. So, so imagine, this guy is not like Wilhelm Reich. He is not someone in love with his own magic. He is a con man and a predator. And he is, and he is, he is knowingly misleading, cognitively vulnerable people. 
and he's hurting their children. And anytime he's running low on funds, he says, I had a vision. Something bad is going to happen to so-and-so who just happens to have a lucrative life insurance policy. Yeah, man, I'm always suspect of uh, prophets that only foresee doomsday visions. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be associated with that. Give me a give me a, a a positive profit, you know. You can foresee like winning the lottery and good. I don't want to hang out with a guy that's always predicting people die, then they die in his group. Yeah, we got a list of the six people that were killed. I guess yeah, we'll just say it. This is this is another excerpt from the Columbia Daily Herald. Quote: When Perez was finally apprehended, he was only charged with one of the murders, with Hughes' murders, one of the people who lived there. But five other commune members with hefty life insurance policies also died, died while living on the commune. Three victims were killed in a 2001 airplane crash near this place called Norris, South Dakota. Another one of the victims was crushed by a car in 06 when, you know, somebody's working underneath a car and then a jack allegedly failed and the car crushed that person. And the last was the death of a certain real estate agent that uh, I guess was interacting with people on the commune or Perez himself. And Perez did, unlike many other leaders of cultic organizations, he did get convicted for his crimes. This means that the allegations against him are considered factual. They are not rumor. They are not statements from disillusioned or disgruntled followers. Let's go to the Wichita Eagle. A journalist named Amy Renee Liker details how in 2015, Perez was found guilty on 28 different criminal counts including crimes of sexual abuse and homicide. He was sentenced to two terms of life in prison. The judge also told Perez he would be serving 406 months. That's a little bit, that's like circa a little less than 34 years in prison on the remainder of the convictions. This guy is not getting out. So in at least one case, we have justice being brought to the leader of a cultic organization. And in many cases, these leaders, as divine as they may purport themselves to be, are only human. They're only as fallible as the next. And they are often predatory, perhaps not to the degree of a Perez, but dangerous nonetheless. And this, again, is just scratching the surface There are many, many organizations that might not call themselves cults, but certainly do things a cult would do. They check the boxes. This is where we go to our last note today. Uh, If you or anyone you know has been taken in by an organization that is abusive, emotionally or physically unsafe, please don't hesitate to reach out. We haven't talked about personal experiences of our own with organizations like this, but they are closer uh, than, than one might assume. Uh, one good place to start is an outfit called Dare to Doubt, all one word, daretodoubt.org. If you go to their website, you will see a number of resources and one of the, one of the best entry points there is a quiz called what resources are right for you. Now, of course, a lot. there's a whole other episode about some of the dangerous practices of self, uh, self-titled deprogramming of cults. That's a, that's a different thing. I see you nodding, Noel. You know about that. Uh, yeah, but also, like, I mean, if you, if, you think you, if you think you may be in a cult, you might be in a cult. Just, like I know a lot of times people get you know in, in these situations like it's like a, a a a lobster boiling or whatever you don't know it's too late you know by the time you actually realize it but you know a lot of folks that have you know gone through um the pandemic and have gone you know down these rabbit holes with things like QAnon and like things like these more decentralized kind of cults of of personality and and ideology I mean I, I don't know it sounds stupid now that I'm saying it out loud but just 
keep an eye on your people, man. And, and, and if you feel like someone's gone too far into even an, a, a particular ideology that seems toxic, just, I don't know what you do. You can't exactly have them like rescued or, you know, spirited away, but maybe it is time to talk about getting some help, you know, or, or just at the very least, let them know that you, you see them and you love them and don't make it about aggression, make it about, you know, trying to understand and trying to help them understand that you, you know, care about them. I would say just from the research of this episode, anybody out there that's considering joining some kind of ashram or yoga, like serious, really, oh, really serious dude, yoga get group, to it. Yeah. Like, don't do it. I we've, <laughs> we've read about multiple yoga groups that it becomes a cult of personality around the person at the head. And it moves away from teaching, you know, philosophical teachings handed down over centuries or millennia. It becomes the Bikram what, guy, the hot yoga guy. I mean, it's sort of it's detached itself from that legacy. I think people still enjoy doing hot yoga, but that guy in L.A. he was a total like sex predator, right? But I it's mean, not just him. I know. And it, and it seems to be yeah. tied often. I, I don't know if there is fully a connection here, guys, but. We mentioned it at the top of this episode, but cult activity with a leader where sex is almost always involved. I don't know why sexual activity is almost always involved with a creepy, powerful leader in one of in one of these cult like groups. And it's very I think just something about yoga, especially when it's really warm uh, in the place where you're doing yoga, that just becomes this. I'm not saying yoga is bad. I'm saying with when one of these cult leaders gets around the yoga experience, it's it's bad news. So stay tuned for our upcoming hit piece on yoga. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm sorry, I like to, yoga. no, no, Yoga's no. It's great. true. You're right. You're right. You're right. But the thing again is, uh, cultic uh, cultic tactics are content agnostic. Okay. Uh, full disclosure, folks, they could even be a podcast, uh, but they wouldn't be super effective as a cult in that regard uh, because you would need you need to have the physicality, right? You need to have the control of the physical as well as the mental. We do not seek to control. We seek to uh, liberate sometimes our own detriment, right? But uh, we're doing this show. Uh, we haven't started a cult uh, yet, but that same agnosticism about content empowers cults. That's why it can be about yoga. That's why it can be about how to feed your pets, right? That's why it can be about therapy, psychology, even arguably uh, architecture, right? Uh, not for nothing did people accuse uh, Frank Lloyd Wright of leading something like a cult with all the trappings of a cultic organization. We want to hear your thoughts uh, one thing is clear, more people than you might know have interacted with an organization that, if not in name, in practice, was a cult. Give us your stories. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for tuning in. Looks like there's going to be a part three, a part four, a part who knows about this. Uh, in the meantime, we try to be easy to find online. Yep. Super easy. You can find this on Facebook, uh, which we had a listener reach out saying that our Facebook group was was disappeared. I don't think that's true. Check check again. Um, yeah, I you you wrote and uh, you you wrote to us a group message, and I I wrote back. I could see it. Uh, I asked if you could see it. Well, can you see it? Maybe this is a maybe this is a you thing. Uh, it seems though that the, the the Facebook group is intact. It's called "Here's Where It Gets Crazy." You can join it um, and see for yourself what uh, kinds of goings-on are happening in that place. Uh, you can also find us on uh, Twitter, and you can find us on YouTube. All three of those places, we are Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, we're Conspiracy Stuff Show. Yes, and if you don't like social media, we also have a phone number. Call one eight three three stdwytk Give us uh, whatever name you want to call yourself, a cool moniker. It just helps. Next time you call in, we'll recognize you. Um, you've got three minutes. Say whatever you'd like. Please let us know at some point in that message if we can use your message and voice on one of our listener mail episodes. If you don't like using your voice to talk on a phone, then why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com.
Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention, true crime enthusiasts searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night. Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 